Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. My first guests today are Margot and Maddie Lehman from the Marley Lehman Scholarship Foundation. The Scholarship Foundation was founded after Margot's daughter and Maddie's sister, Marley, was tragically killed in a wrong way driver accident in 2021. I welcome you to the show today, Margot and Maddie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. You are welcome. Maddie, I remember you from years ago when uh, you and my youngest daughter, Nikki, played basketball together, but I did not know your sister, Marley. Um, I think it's so important to keep a loved one's memory alive and talk about them and what they were like and what they love to do because they really are still with us. You know, they're alive in our memories, right? Mm -hmm. Margo, tell us about your daughter, Marley. So... Um, I have two daughters. Marley was our second daughter. And, um, you know, you have children and you raise them the same and they can be two completely different kids. My kids, completely different kids. Uh, Maddie, my oldest, a little more straight and narrow. Marley liked to push the buttons. I have one of those too. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, not in a bad way, right, right? But she liked to push the buttons, and um, but Marley growing up was a very curious girl. She was curious about everything, and she loved adventures, um, loved to ask questions, loved to be with people. Um, Marley liked to be on the go, and I always say to my husband, I, I stayed home with my kids. For 10 years before I went back to work and every day I had them doing something we were not a stay-at-home watch TV kind of a family mm -hmm. and I always think back that Marley was such a mover and a shaker because when I was raising Marley we were mover and shakers we were in every play group and at the library and movies and you name it we did it mm -hmm. and um, Marley was the kind of girl that, you know, as she grew older, she woke up in the morning and she embraced every single day. She went to bed at night and she did not leave anything left on the table. Mm -hmm. She soaked it all in. She was she was a happy, go lucky kind of girl. She she really didn't let anything bother her. Mm -hmm. She just went with the flow. And, um, you know, obviously it's life, things happen, and she would just brush it off, and away she went. Mm. She never sulked about anything. She never really let most things get, you know, most things upset her because she just didn't want to live her life that way. She wanted to live a happy life, and that's what Marley did. Mm. What were some of the things that she was passionate about? Um... Marley was a helper. She had the biggest heart. Um, she was very, you know, I was thinking about that question today when I was driving, and I thought, what, what, what was Marley passionate about? 
Marley's passion in life was was making people happy. She just, if her friends were having a hard time or somebody passed away or a dog, and she she was the first one over with flowers and how can I help you. She just wanted people to be happy. Sounds like she had a nurturing personality. She, she right? was, I mean, she, she was, yes, very nurturing, very... Um, she would follow me around when I would get home from work, or I mean, it would be ten hugs, and finally I'm like, okay, Marley, uh, you know, just okay, I, I get it. That's the tenth hug. Let's just, you know, and I, not, I wasn't trying to be rude to her, no but way. she just, she was a lover, mm-hmm. just, and people felt it. Oh my gosh, yeah. and we we knew Marley was that way, but when Marley passed away. The stories and the people that came to us, I mean, she knew people. We had no idea how many people she touched Mm. because she just had that loving spirit. Yeah. Well, I'm sure this is difficult to talk about um, every time, and I'm sorry for the pain that's associated with this, but I'm sure you would agree that one way we can bring awareness to your cause is to share your pain and use it for a purpose. So no one has to go through what your family went through. Um, can you share with us how Marley was killed? Um, yes, absolutely. So um, I'll just take a step back. So Sunday night, we were at a friend's house. Marley came over. They have little kids. Marley loved little kids. We came home. Of course, you're tired from the weekend. Um, she had to get a resume done because our friends that we were with was going to offer her a position. So we, as tired as all three of us were, we hammered through um, her resume, got it all set. The next day, she was going up to Madison um, to rent an apartment. She, her dream was to go to UW-Madison. She applied every year. She couldn't get in. So everything was virtual, and she said, I've done so well in school. Could I rent an apartment in Madison? Talked with my husband. We said yes. So it was going to snow that night, and I let her take my car. I have an SUV. And um, she texts me, and she she, start, she got a little late start. And she's like, it's 4 o'clock, and Sophie and I are we're leaving to Madison. I said, okay, do what you need to do don't dilly-dally, don't visit all your friends because I knew the storm was coming. And she said, okay. The last text that I got from Marley was, um, it was probably 6.30, your car needs gas, I'm getting gas, I'm on my way home. And I said, great. My husband was gone, and um, I can track her, and I knew she was on her way. I could see she was on 94. And my phone rang, um, maybe 10 minutes after I tracked where she was. And it was a number I didn't know. I didn't realize, didn't recognize the number. I don't normally answer that. I'm in sales. People call all the time. And I thought, 7.30 at night, I'm not answering the phone. But I answered the phone. And um, it was Sophie's mom who was in the car with Marley. And she said, Margo, the girls have been in an accident. And you need to come right now. And I jumped up out of the chair and I said, where are they? And she said... Just get on 94 and start driving west, and we'll guide you. I call my husband. I don't even think I had shoes on, honestly. Jumped in the car. We started driving, and 
Sophie was communicating with her parents. Sophie was the passenger in Marley's car. By the grace of God, she opened up the door and walked away. So she called her mom. Her mom called me. We started driving, and they said, she's halfway between here and Madison. I said, okay. So we started driving, and they said, no, go turn around, go back to Aurora. They're airlifting her to Aurora. So we got off the highway, turned back around, got to Aurora. They called again. They said, nope, they're actually going to airlift her to UW-Madison. And I knew then the situation was not good. So we continued to drive and came upon the scene. And honestly, it was it was like like out of a movie. And without even thinking, I opened up that door. I started running across that median to get to her. She was in an ambulance at that time. The helicopter was still sitting there, so I knew she was still there. And um, 10 people come running at me, and they grab me. And what are you doing? I said, that's my daughter. I, I want to see my daughter. And know they're working on her and so they got us back in the car it was cold it was such a cold night and um one of the rescue people was a pastor so he sat in the back and he was talking to us and we were waiting and making phone calls and I was supposed to um do some um stuff with Maddie on the phone at eight so I called Maddie and I said Marley's been in an accident just hang tight we're learning more and um my husband was in the passenger, or he was driving in the driver's seat, and I could look over um, behind my husband, and I could see the ambulance. And when I could, when the doctor came out, talked to a couple people, and then 15 people started walking towards us. I just said to my husband, "Yeah, this is not good." So, um, they did everything that they could do to save her, and they just they couldn't save her. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, words cannot yeah. convey. Um, um, there's a statistic that says um, 500 Americans on average are killed in wrong way fatalities. According to AAA Foundation, for traffic safety, there were just under 3,000 fatal wrongway crashes between 2010 and 2018, resulting in over 3,800 deaths, an average of 430 deaths per year. Over half of these deaths were the wrongway drivers themselves. A small percentage were their passengers, while only 4 in 10 were occupants of the other vehicles. This is something that's unfortunately on the rise. Wisconsin has the third highest increase in wrong-way drivers, six times higher than the national average. The number of deaths from wrong-way crashes on Wisconsin's divided highways from 2015 to 2018 was 230% higher than it was in the preceding five years. Something's got to be done about this. And we're going to talk more about the various ways that... Uh, People are, are trying to change these statistics. Um, we're going to talk about that when we get back, and then we're also going to talk more about the the Lehman Family Scholarship Foundation and some other ways that they are raising money to make a difference in this area. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. 
Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Margot and Maddie Lehman from the Marley Lehman Scholarship Foundation. So in the last segment, we learned some details about the unfortunate accident um, back in 2021, and I think it's important for people to understand the cause of the accident. So, um, you know, the number one cause of wrong-way driver accidents is alcohol impairment, but number two is elderly drivers and drivers with dementia. I understand, Margo, that the gentleman that hit Marley had dementia. Um, she did, or he did, pardon me, when you know we pulled up to the scene and you see the cars. I, my husband and I for sure thought he was a drunk driver. And we didn't learn until the next day um, that he was a man with severe dementia that had been driving around since one in the afternoon when he hit Marley, it was 7.08 at night, six hours lost. Um, the, the thing that really gets me and, and absolutely breaks my heart is that family knew he had dementia and they continued to let him drive. And I, I just wanna touch super quick that um, I drive a lot for my job, and just personally, in the last four weeks, I've seen two cars driving the wrong way, not on the highways, but like a two-way um, coming, at, coming at me, and they were both elderly people. Mm -hmm. it, it is a true problem, elderly people who should not be on the roads, and that gentleman, that family knew he, he, his dementia was so severe, they actually kept his brain at the UW-Madison. That's where they flew him in the helicopter so they could train um, doctors because he, he, he was so severely, um, you know, with the disease of dementia that they kept his brain as a wow. teaching. Yes. Wow. And I... I did a little bit of research on this, and I understand that there are some things that people, that the state is trying to do, like these tire deflation devices that are installed in all new and renovated on-ramps to divided highways. That's going to prevent someone from going the wrong way. Um, I, I worked to them. last year um, super hard with a friend of mine through a, through a manufacturer of, they're called Shark Strips, up in Canada. Um, and I was working with a, um, I, th I think he was an alderman, not an alderman. He was a, um, I, I apologize what his title was. I worked with him for quite a bit. And he was trying to get that moving through um, the state and had a roadblock. He was going to bring it back again this year, and he actually is retiring. Mm. So I'm kind of back to square one. But they have things out there like blink, blink lights. If you're drunk or you have dementia, you you're not you're those. not paying attention. I I personally and my husband and Maddie, the easy fix is to put a shark strip like when you're renting a car. If somebody's entering the highway the wrong way, yeah. as soon as their tires go over that strip, 
it deflates their tires they can't go anywhere that man that killed marley drove for five miles on highway 94 the wrong way mm. until he struck and killed her Um, it's a privilege to learn more about Marley. And I think, again, as I said before, to keep her memory alive by sharing uh, who she was and how she impacted others is so important. Um, I understand that um, you have a scholarship foundation that honors her. Uh, Maddie, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so we started the Marley Lehman Scholarship Foundation back in 2021, it originally started off with um, an apparel brand that I started called No Worries None that I created to honor Marley back in March of 2021. And it has since evolved into um, not only the sales of the apparel, but other events that we have, such as golf outings and then donations from the community. So uh, the Scholarship Foundation is raising money for... To, to give out to other um, families or for what purpose? Yeah, so the scholarship foundation, the money that we have goes to multiple different scholarships. So one part of our scholarship is directly to um, students who are financially in need looking to go to technical colleges. So this year we granted two scholarships at WCTC each were $4,500. Um, and then we also will be having two $1,000 scholarships um, for graduating seniors at Arrowhead High School who are financially in need. And um, the most of our money will be going to an organization called All in Milwaukee, and we will be having multiple scholarships with them. And so All in Milwaukee... Um, each scholarship that we have per student will be $5,000 a year for four years. So we'll be giving them a total of $20,000. And if they attend UW-Whitewater, UW-Madison, or UW-Milwaukee, the university will match that donation. And so they will be receiving $10,000 total. Um, so most of these kids and our target of recipients are going to generally be low-income, first-generation students of color. That is really the target that we want to reach. We really want to give the opportunity for a child to go to get higher education who otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. Uh, I spent a lot of time in college studying sociology. It was one of my majors and just learning about how education can really have an impact on a person's life and really change their life and their family's life for generations to come. And so I think that these scholarships are really important. Mm, that is so wonderful. That's so wonderful. What an awesome give back. I have seen sweatshirts around town. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, let me back up. I, uh, My daughter Nikki and I watched Marley's uh, funeral service online and I remember saying, why are people wearing, like, pajama pants and <laughs> slippers? And, you know, Nikki's like, well, you know, that was kind of the the uh, Marley's um, go-to, you know, comfort and just really comfortable being in comfortable clothes and had this uh, mantra of no worries, none. And so you said you started this clothing line. I understand it's it's really 
really taking off. And again, Nikki told me just the other day that you had a recent event uh, where you raised quite a bit of money um, mm-hmm. with just the clothing line. So tell us uh, a little bit more about that. So Marley's phrase was no worries, none. It was something she said often. She would say to me, her friends, she even had a no worries tattoo on her inner lip, which my parents didn't know about for a long time. (laughs) And so it really like reflects what my mom had talked about earlier, her no worries um, mentality. So at her service, uh, I wanted to curate a shirt that said no worries, quote from Marley Lehman, and pass it around to friends um, because that's what she was known by. So um, our good family friend Scott Roker at Straight Up Sports, um, within two days, printed out a couple hundred T-shirts to pass along to friends and family who were stopping over um, to our house. And so a lot of people wore that to the service along with the pajamas, which mm-hmm. we said, Mar- if you saw Marley, she was either wearing sweatpants or like her onesie pajamas, like even in public to Culver's, like she, that's what she wore. So that's how we wanted to honor her at her service. Yes. Um, so we created those shirts, gave them away for free. And then after that, people kept reaching out, how can I get one of those shirts? How can I get one of those shirts? And we had only printed them and gave them away just for a one-time thing. And I kind of thought, well, maybe this could be something I see on TikTok, all these people creating um, apparel. And I'm like, I've never really thought of the business thing. I'm very, I'm in law school and I've never thought about being an entrepreneur, but I thought Marley always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So like, what a great way to honor her. So I used my iPad. I sketched up a couple designs, sent it over to Scott Roker and we created a store and I online and I thought, okay, we're going to sell like 50, like close family and friends. They're going to buy it. We're going to raise a couple hundred dollars that we could give away and that's going to be it. But Within the first night, we had, I don't even know how many, over 100 pieces of apparel sold. Like, on the first night we launched, it was incredible. And since then, in March of 2021, we've done over $161,000 in sales. Mm, And um, a lot of the designs, earlier designs, I had designed myself, but... um, Two of Marley's good friends who go to sc- or went to school for graphic design, Kate Schwinker and Tori Dahl, reached out and offered their services to help create designs. And they have a lot more experience and did some great jobs. So each winter and summer, we come out with a new line. And just it's amazing to keep Marley's memory alive, both like in the Heartland area and in really across the country. People yeah. will tag us on Instagram, Facebook of how they're spreading Marley's love across the country by wearing their No Worries Non Apparel. And that's a mantra everybody could embrace, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we try to wear it whenever we can. And I just, super quick story, I was at the hospital today and um, coming out of the elevator and this this woman literally comes running after me and she's like, you're, 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 you're Marley's mom. I said, yes. I mean, I had no idea who she was. And she just, I mean, she had no idea who I would have been. I had the No Worries tank top on. And she was just, you know, raving about Maddie and, you know, just how we have taken our pain and made a purpose out of it. And she just, she was such a lovely lady. I mean, just, but it's a conversation starter. Um, lots of people will walk up to us. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. 
and I have no problem telling the story. I mean, sometimes I break down, but I will tell them why we started it, what happened to my daughter, how she was killed by a, you know, a man with dementia. And, you know, my husband and I say all the time that until we pass away, we will never let Marley's spirit die, ever, yeah. ever. We will keep her love alive forever. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, there's a community out there that I'm sure would love to embrace your mission. Um, what can people do to help or be a part of the mission? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, If you want to get your own No Worries, Non Apparel or just check it out, and then also see more about Marley's story, some No Worries pictures, and a bunch of different fun stuff, visit www.noworriesnone.com. We have our store and a bunch of other fun stuff on the website. Otherwise, you can follow us at No Worries None on Instagram and on Facebook. We always repost all the different pictures people send of them wearing their No Worries all around the country and the world. So it's really cool to check out. Mm, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Margo and Maddie for sharing your story today and sharing how you're turning your pain into purpose so nobody else hopefully uh, will have to go through what you went through so thank you thank you thank you you're welcome if you're a parent I'm sure you would join me in saying that we can't possibly imagine the pain and the suffering that goes with losing your child in some tragic way I'm sure the scars go way deep for the parents and the siblings, the whole family really, and in many cases for the community as well, as you've heard in Marley's case. Although we would never wish this upon anyone, we understand that sharing your story can help others. Things can be done to raise awareness of a certain issue so that solutions can be brought to the table. In our next segment, we're gonna hear another story about how another family turned their pain into purpose. So don't go away and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guests today are Jerry and Patty Homan, founders of the Luke Homan Foundation. Welcome to the show today, Jerry and Patty. Thank, Thank you. you. As I said to, to Margot in the previous segment, um, I'm sure having to tell your story and recount the details over again has got to be very painful, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but we also know that by telling your story, building awareness for your cause, can also bring solutions, right? It's a way to turn your pain into purpose that'll help other people in ways that you may never know. So can you start by sharing with us Luke's story and why you started the charity? Um, our son uh, drowned in the Mississippi. It'd be 16 years ago this coming, or end of September, early October. Uh, it was during Oktoberfest and he was going to school up there. He was 21 years old. Uh, and what we did on, on Friday, he had a bunch of his friends coming up there. And obviously with Oktoberfest, they were celebrating, having a good time. And he had planned uh, this for a while with having his friends up there. And then Saturday, he had a golf outing planned. And uh, the following night, Saturday night, we got a call about 8 o'clock from his cousin, who was two weeks uh, uh, apart in age. They were, almost like, they were like brothers saying uh, Patty 
picked up the phone and said, Aunt Patty, we can't find Luke. He's been missing for, for a day. So obviously we got in the car and drove up there and searched, uh, you know, till 5, 6 in the morning and went down alleys, you know, yelling, calling, all that sort of thing by the river. Dumpsters. Everything yeah. and look, looking for him and didn't find him. And then finally uh, Monday morning, uh, uh, the dogs, the scent dogs found it got a scent in the river and uh, that's when they uh, found him at about nine o'clock on Monday morning and found him in the river. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened. There's various uh, stories. Uh, he was with some kids. Uh, then they're down by the river, which is very odd because we always told Luke, you know, be careful, don't go down by the river. And the week before he told Patty, Mom, we never go down by the river. So mm. we don't know if it was an accident or if, they were, if some kids are maybe horsing around. The one uh, young man that was with them uh, says he doesn't have any recollection or memory of that night at, at that time, so we never know anything from him. Uh, we have worked with detectives that have uh, investigated, and they th at one time they said they think it was part of the uh, Smiley Face murders. Mm. And there's, it is kind of unusual that this is, Luke was probably the eighth or tenth young man that this has happened to, and they're all roughly 21 to 23 years old, about the same height, uh, some athletic ability, that sort of thing. So, you know, somewhat does make difference, but we'll never know if, uh, you know, it was foul play or if it was an accident or if he was murdered. We, uh, we will never know, I guess, until hopefully we see him uh, after we die up in heaven, yeah. and he can tell us what actually happened. Believe me, we like to have him back for a day just to find out what <laughs> what sure. happened. Yeah, that would be that, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I I can't imagine the difficulty of just not having closure, right? About not yeah, knowing what happened. That's the worst part of it, really. I so one thing that really bothers me is I really don't know his date of death. They on the certificate it says October second, but I think he probably died the 29th of September, which was that Friday. Um, who who knows, you know, you don't really know. But I don't know why it would bother me, but it does. And not having the closure, I hate that word, but you don't. You don't have it. You just wonder, and you keep going back and forth. Well, maybe it was just foolishness and these kids. But like Jerry said, and I, it was ironic because it was a joke in our house. He'd come home on the weekend, and I'd yell at him as he was leaving, don't go near the river, and he'd laugh, and he said, Mom, I've never even been to the river. There's no reason for us to go to the river. Everything we do is away from the river. Mm -hmm. So there was no reason for me to believe or Jerry to believe that he he would go there on his own. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Well, tell us more about Luke. Again, when I was talking to Margot and Maddie in the previous segment, I was saying that it's I feel like it's so important to keep your loved one's memory alive because they're still with us, yeah. right, in our memory. So, right, yeah. you know, what was Luke's outlook on life and what were his goals for the future? He had a beautiful outlook on life. Um, we always raised him to feel like he, uh, our, I always told him life is an attitude. It's what you make of it and everything you participate in, whether it's sports, academics, do it to your fullest you know that capabilities what, yeah yeah and do it you know to the to your heart's content and he would he had really good outlook on life he loved kids he loved his friends he loved the schools he went to he just enjoyed life 
overall. He just enjoyed it. And I think as far as his, what he planned to do in the future, he had interest in, in business and real estate. I think he wanted to get investment properties, that sort of thing, and maybe do something on the financial end. But uh, he had a good outlet, was a great student. Uh, he had a desire, when he, once he got into college, he'd take a course over Christmas. He'd take uh, one or two during the summer. So actually he did get his degree. We got his degree uh, when the, his class graduated, actually a year early because he had enough credits. So he was a great student and uh, he was a great friend. He was a great son. Uh, he, was, I was, he was you know, my son, my best friend. And so when he passed, it was you know, a big void in our life, in our hearts. I'm sure, I'm sure. So he had a lot of goals for the future. So this is a young man oh, yeah. that, you know, there was no way that he was um, uh, looking, he wasn't depressed, he wasn't no. looking no. for a way no. out. He he had goals, he had no. bright dreams right. for his future. And so right. he wasn't troubled. There were no drugs involved. There was nothing like that. Um, he just, he planned that whole weekend. They were together. And when he didn't show up for that golf outing, that Saturday morning, that, you know, that was the key for yeah. his cousin to call and say, you know, he's been missing over 20 hours. Something's not right here. And yeah. for them yeah. all to, they went to the police station and there it went, you know, there it went and the the wheels started moving. So. Yeah. And I had read, uh, when I first heard about the Luke Holman Foundation, I did some research and I had read about that um, smiley face um Finally, space murderers, yeah. Murderers, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, again, it's I can't, I, I can't even imagine how frustrating it's got to be to mm -hmm. just not know. You know, it's a big, it's a big question mark. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to learn more about the scholarships and the charities that the foundation gives in Luke's honor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Jerry and Patty Holman from the Luke Holman Foundation. So we learned a little bit more about uh, Luke in the last segment. Um, let's learn about some of the ways that you are having an impact in the community. I understand that you do uh, quite a few different things with the money that you raise, and it starts with scholarships. Why don't you tell us about that? Right. When we first uh, uh, started to have a, a golf outing, which is our main uh, maker of money, we just thought we'd give out a a scholarship or two at uh, Luke's Old High School, which is Brookfield Central. Well, through the years, this is, we just had our 15th uh, golf outing, and uh, we've raised well over a million and a half dollars. But the, what we do is, is give scholarships to kids at Brookfield Central that will be going to school uh, in a, further education in college or, you know, a trade, that sort of thing. It doesn't have to be uh, definitely a, a college going for something like that. But what we ask the kid is the kids to write us a, a little resume of what they've done in high school, their likes and accomplishments, that sort of thing. We don't base it all on grades uh, because I always thought when I used to see uh, things were write an essay 
to uh, get a scholarship or something like that. I mean, I'm not a good writer, and that was just say, well, forget it. So we just asked the kids to uh, put down what they've done in high school, and we also asked them to do a, a three- to five-minute uh, video on themselves to tell us about themselves, their family, interests, that sort of thing. And then we have a committee that comes over and looks at the tapes and decides who gets the scholarships. And through the years, we've given anywhere from four to eight or nine scholarships, depending on how many applicants we have and how many uh, students we think should should get it. So we started doing that, and then we you know, had extra monies, and some of the other uh, areas we've given uh, money to has been probably 80 to 90 different uh, causes. Maybe you know it's a small cause, like example, this past year, the Waukesha Parade. You know, we sent yes. money to that. Uh, uh, variety Club's a big uh, children's uh, charity, and what we do is uh, ask them to send me a list each year of some of the things they need, like an adaptive bike, a wheelchair, and we'll pick a couple and buy them and send them money for that. And Special Olympics was a, a big uh, uh, like of Luke's. He loved the, the kids and that stuff, and he'd work with, with them. So we give a lot to the Special Olympics for different programs and uh, you know many, many more. It's, if we see someone or hear something, uh, we try to help out if we can. So we feel rather than, well, we don't really have one big cause, like an illness, that sort of thing. So we try to give some to a lot, and uh, we've done that. And uh, what we've done is, this, like this past uh, outing, we put together a list of the checks I wrote since last outing. There's like 41 different causes. Mm. So uh, we've been fortunate to do that, and we've had a lot of great success with the outing as far as sponsorship and people coming. So it's just worked out very well for us. So you have scholarships, uh, number one. Two, you have um, different charities that you give to. And then uh, some of the other things that you do with the money you raise is for particular causes, like you said. like Yeah, if there's something like uh, <clears throat> something catastrophic happens that we hear about in the community, we'll certainly reach out and help those people. And... Uh, um, yeah, we've gone to like uh, Crystal Ray and uh, the Jesuits, and we've done other things like in the in the, um, the, the communities uh, on the south side. Yeah, Mexican community or lesser, uh, less fortunate people. We've given uh, you know like a scholarship there, or helped out uh, with different things. And one thing we try to do is keep it in uh, in Wisconsin. Okay, we don't uh, you know send uh, money to. Oregon or things like that. We sure. try to keep it uh, local. So uh, the Food Bank of southeastern Wisconsin, we give money there. Uh, uh, many, many community projects I saw in your lobby. You had, uh, you're doing a drive with uh, uh, goods sure for is. elderly and that stuff. Yeah. Well, the senior community, senior projects, was it? <laughs> senior projects. Pro community projects for seniors is uh, is something very oh, yes. So we give mm -hmm. We help out there. We help. I help out uh, at the holidays, giving out the meals. But we also make donations there because, you know, they do a lot for seniors, much more than just the three uh, times they give the meals out. So we we try Res to spread it around mission. and help people. Rescue mission. Sure, you know, so yeah. a lot of different people. So you're you're making an impact in a number of different ways. Yeah, yeah. we hope yeah, so. We don't. Community. You know, we're you know board of directors is Patty and I. So. <laughs> And we don't take any money out. Uh, if we raise a hundred thousand, we hope we can give out uh, ninety-nine point nine thousand uh, dollars out that year. So we try to yeah. try to give everything we bring in and uh, give it back out. Yeah. 
Well, where where are you at with the case? I mean, where um, is it always going to be a question mark, or are the police up in the Cross area continuing to do anything? Oh God, no. Luke's Luke's case is gone, as far as they're concerned. Were they? They dotted their I's and crossed their T's that Monday morning that they found him and that basically left. That's when the detectives came into play. And we've even done um, some excerpts. We were on oxygen, and they did six cases across the country that are college drownings. And they've these detectives have actually investigated over 40 college drownings. So we've done some work on that, and they... Um, just to show the different things that they've found forensically that the police aren't doing in any of these communities. They just write it off that it's kids getting drunk and falling in the water, and that's it. They don't look for other types of drugs that might be in their systems. They don't They do not do anything. They don't go beyond that. I mean, when Luke's case, we they had uh, spotted uh, blood in a, a van and it, it was Luke's, right, Jerry? Well, the dogs got, a, <clears throat> you know, gave a sign that they sensed the blood and that stuff, and uh, they never really investigated thoroughly that van. And, you know, so there was a lot, you know, when we read through the case of Luke's, there's a lot of question marks we have. It probably will never be answered. We'll never, as we say, we'll never know until, you know, we, we see him hopefully down the happen. road sometime. Yes, yeah. yes, I'm And sure the detectives will. still work on it. In fact, they came to our outing. They come every year to our outing, and, um, they wrote a forensic book on it and showed all the differentials between all these kids this is happening to. And like Jerry said, the um, similarities is, is kind of scary yeah, in all yeah. these kids. So um, the law enforcement or certain uh, departments of the law enforcement are, are, are checking into um, – as you said, similarities across the country, and so some. Hopefully, something will be found so yeah. that nobody has to go through what no. you've been through. These well, are two retired detectives yeah. that are doing oh, all okay. this. They've gone, you know, to Congress. They've gone to um, senators and all kinds of government environments, trying to get people to open up the case. All they're trying to do is to have somebody take these cases and open them up and treat them like homicides. Yes, yeah. and prove that it's not, you know, instead of just saying they're just accidental deaths and try to open them up and say, well, everything, you know, that we see, there's nothing suspicious that calls it, you know, that there's been any murder, but they won't do, they don't do that. So, so we need to continue to be advocates for this. You oh, know, absolutely. Keep bringing awareness to uh, the situation um, and, and Perhaps one day there'll be some solution. We hope so. We um, hope so. How can our listening audience be a part of the difference that you're making for others? What would you say is your greatest yeah. need at this point? I, I guess we don't have a, uh, you know, one particular need. Um, if they would like to help out the, uh, the foundation or, and, you know, help out the different charities we give to, uh, they certainly be, we'd be more than appreciative of that and, uh, our charity is uh, online is what Luke Holman, the Luke Holman Foundation yeah. Inc. That's where they can donate and and um, we have a law firm that takes the the donations, um, which is uh, Lixon and Hensel okay. downtown. It's a person that does all our 
work as a friend of mine. He does you know everything gratis and that stuff. So he's been with us since day one and okay. does a good job. But I know he gets requests and that sort of thing. So okay. So what is the website that people should go to? It's lukehomangolf.com. Okay. So please check check into that and uh, you know let your voices be heard. Speak up and be an advocate. Um, I want to thank my guests today, Margo and Maddie Lehman from the Marley Lehman Scholarship Foundation, and you, Jerry and Patty Holman, from the Luke Holman Foundation. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Uh, thank you for being here. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I think what happened in both situations is extremely sad and and heartbreaking, but. You've all demonstrated such strength and and hope through it, and you used your pain to really make a difference for others. So for that, we say thank you. Thank you. you. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are making a difference in our community. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So we've shared a number of ways um, that you can make a difference today uh, for either the Lehman family or the Holman family. In addition to donating or purchasing clothing, there are ways that you can uh, be an advocate for the causes that they talked about. I encourage you to visit their websites to learn more. And I encourage you to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing in some way that will help either of these families or any other cause or mission that inspires you to make a difference. So thank you for listening today and have a great day.